1: Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK-Ultra mind control, to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology, to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded, Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast, where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth.
2: Hello, I got a treat for you guys tonight. I'm going to talk about some of my favorite obscure topics ever. And uh, with me is Dana from Rotting Jewels or aka Rotting Jewels. What what do I call you?
3: Just Dana. People started calling me like Dana from Rotting Jewels and it's just kind of stuck. So I guess that's the name of my channel.
2: Okay, well, I've got Dana here from the, the channel Rotting Jewels. And uh, I just wanted to first say, I came across her videos, and I'm just going to read off a couple of the titles, and you'll probably figure out why we're, we're together here. Babylon Working and the Homunculus Moonshild, Jolly West and the Tavistock Institute, Dianetics Needs uh, Tavistock, What is the Process Church? And I actually want to ask you some of those questions that you're kind of posing rhetorically. Um, but first of all, where can people find you? Uh, what else? you've got outside of youtube if we got any plugs i'd like to do them up front
3: um so it's the same username on instagram that was where i started uh so it rotting jewels on instagram rotting jewels on youtube and then dana duda on twitter
2: <laughs> dana duda <laughs> so the, thing has stuck i just want to get right into it because i think the first time i noticed any of your content was jolly west i've got like i don't know if if it was just out of the corner of my eye, if I was searching for Jolly West, but it's such a specific topic and a specific name of an interesting character. And uh, as soon as I saw that video and subscribed and all the other ones that that came to follow, it sounds like you got kind of like a story to tell. So I just want to figure out like, where where's your entry point into this? Like, I assume you didn't just sit down one day and just like randomly, you know, autodidactically type in Jolly West. So what what kind of led you to, I guess, mind control and Dianetics and, you know, Satanism and homunculi?
3: Huh. So I started with Instagram doing a program to kill the coups under Alan Dulles, just kind of trying to give people a different aspect of history because I feel like people don't have a great grasp of American history. But um, I was doing a project on Zero Dark Tony's channel for his crowd, and it was Basically, the history of mind control, and I was going to go through, you know, G.H. Estabrooks, hypnotism, all of that. But in talking about all of that, you kind of got to talk about, uh, in my opinion, the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, right? Um, and so I had mentioned uh, Jolly West and Dr. Margaret Singer, who are, you know, two notorious MK Ultra doctors.
0: Two peas in and- a pod.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they started together, right? Like they were, uh, according to ex-Scientologists, they were mind control whistleblowers. They weren't torturing the uh, Korean repatriated POWs. However, uh, when I brought up those names, uh, I was immediately told that I was feeding into a QAnon narrative. Uh, Jolly West is a good man. Margaret Singer is a good woman. Um, And it has just been kind of non-stop and that was actually why I started doing long form research on my streams and that's why I started with Jolly West cuz I was like this is giving me major uh like CIA spook vibes and it has not stopped since the end of June so
2: did Jolly West have a political leaning of any kind he seems sort of just like such a outside the box character he wouldn't align with one but did he did he have like funding or friends Heavier on one aisle than the other?
3: I don't know that he was necessarily funded politically. I don't think that there was really a motivation there. I mean, one could argue that, you know, as far as what happened with uh, Kennedy, you know, that there was probably some funding going on behind the scenes as far as uh, Jack Ruby, so... But otherwise, and I mean, Patty like, Hearst. You, you, you don't know, think Oswald like...
2: could have afforded just the one bullet? No. <laughs> not no. even if it was a magical Absolute- bullet.
3: <laughs> absolutely not. No, I um, I think it's interesting when you. There is always like a political motive, right? There's always some sort of underlying political motive to it. And I think that he was just sort of the tool to get that done, even though that wasn't necessarily his goal. Um, I personally think that he was groomed. I think that he was selected and put through a very specific fast track that is detailed in the Rockefeller Foundation uh, committee hearing in 1946. His resume matches that to a T. And so did Dr. Charles Savage, which I now call like the original Jolly West. Uh, he was the person that was uh, running Project Chatter, which is the sort of continuance of what they were doing in Dachau in those concentration camps with mescaline and acid and uh, MDA for mind control. Um, but I just, you know, he's he's just a puppet in the machine but uh some people do hail him as a hero because he was very outspoken against scientology apparently so
2: oh so jo- this is actually fairly new dynamic to me so you're saying that jolly west was outspoken against scientology
3: this is so if, yes so if
2: you're anti scientologist then you might be pro jolly just by like the enemy of my enemy formula
3: um, well, specifically, there's one very famous ex-Scientology author. His name is John A. Tack, um, And he said himself that Margaret Singer and Jolly West uh, funded his career, his writing career. So I think that this is more of like a Manchurian candidate thing, in my opinion. You know, like Raymond Shaw is a good man. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jolly West is a good man. You're not allowed to say anything. That's just my two cents. Um because it's kind of bizarre, and that's something that I had never thought about until I started working on my Homunculus Moonchild series, was Jolly West never said anything about the Temple of Set, the Church of Satan, or the process, ever. And he was never asked to evaluate Charles Manson. So I think that that's really strange. It's very strange. He also did not consider uh, the LDS a cult either.
2: So just, I mean, I'm a total Jolly West geek. And I think that I heard, I mean, my, my, and this isn't like in praising him. This is just such an interesting sure. character. So the highlights for me, I guess, is a rumored that he killed an uh, an elephant with LSD. Although the more you look into that, it was more like they gave this elephant like a whole bunch of different stuff and it just couldn't handle all the different drugs that they were giving it. So that, that was one claim to fame. Another one is that he interviewed, I believe, uh, Jack Ruby after the JFK assassination and after Jack Ruby shot Oswald, he, he interviewed, I think, Timothy McVeigh, or there's at least rumors that he interviewed Timothy McVeigh. Uh, like, what what else am I missing that are part of the Jolly West highlights that I'm leaving out here?
3: So, Tusco the elephant, yes, absolutely. Um, they shot him with a dart of acid, and I think they gave him, I think it was, like a thousand times the normal human dose. What happened is he actually just went into like seizures and then Jolly thought it was a good idea to load him full of uh, benzos. So, you know, IV Xanax and, you know, he just died. Um, there's a rumor out there that I've seen for years that apparently Jolly was also on acid and uh, was playing in Tusco's entrails. Haven't found it. If anybody has it, I would well, love to that's see very it. Very
2: specific. Yeah.
3: You never know. Um, Yeah, it's a very specific rumor that I've heard. Um, As far as Jack Ruby, yes, he did. And I am fully convinced that he did drive Jack Ruby crazy. I think that he did something to Jack Ruby specifically, because when you read Jolly's old studies, as far as hypnotism, mind control, behavior control, it's he was giving him the same drugs um, and it just kind of sounds like he was planting some ideas into his head. Um, and as far as Timothy McVeigh, it's it's kind of the same thing with Tom O'Neill, where they couldn't nail it down specifically. But I believe that there's enough evidence there. Um, because that was kind of the, that's what's been going on since June is, well, there's no proof that Jolly controlled Manson. So therefore, Tom O'Neill's book is trash, basically, is what they're saying. Um, I would highly disagree. You know, it's they're all walking in the same corridors. I'm quoting this other author. They're all crossing paths. So something happened. Something was going on and something was very wrong. And it's kind of the same thing that Dr. Wendy, the conclusion that she came to is that there was absolutely something wrong. Um, I think on Program to Chill, uh, she did a multi-part series with him about, you know, her book, but specifically with Jolly West, and uh, and she's not the only person that I've heard this from in this sort of, you know, parapolitical research milieu, that a warden got fired because they were complaining to the higher-ups, like, why is he here when Jolly West kept coming to see Timothy McVeigh, um, and then apparently, uh, Timothy was going to the dentist multiple times a week, but he Great. only had one cavity. So was Jolly pretending to be a dentist? Who knows? Nobody knows what happened. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that he is a consistent presence at these really weird, pivotal times throughout history uh, and doesn't get punished for it.
2: So, And you mentioned uh, Manson in part of this. I haven't put that together either and I, I see you've got a number of videos that go into you know manson and process church and that's a great idea i never considered why wasn't jolly west at all of these other places like why wasn't he at, you know with jim jones or i guess you know that maybe he just want to go to guyana but like why wasn't he with a whole bunch of other like the hateberry ash kind of crowd right so if that's if that sounds like rhetorical i want to turn it into an actual question Why is Jolly West like officially unaffiliated with Manson? Is it because he was so tightly woven with it that they needed, you know, like plausible deniability or or what's going on that?
3: Well, Jolly was working at Haight-Ashbury. He was working at that clinic specifically. And then, you know, you have George White working Operation Midnight Climax. So, you know, there's drug trafficking going on there because George White was a scumbag. Uh, People like to spin that as, oh, they were just giving people acid and they were, you know, watching them have, you know, sex, whatever. And it's like, no, that dude had mafia ties. They were trafficking drugs. And specifically, as far as the hate, we know that Manson was bringing all of those girls from the family to get medical treatment because they were, they all had STDs, but they were getting free treatment. And the timing of the height opening with what ended up happening during the last two years of the summer of love, I guess you could say, um, I feel like all of that was planned. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is trying to figure out, like not only so specifically within that situation, but also stepping back and trying to look at the bigger picture of what was going on at the time Because, I mean, the Process Church of the Final Judgment is a complete lie. The narrative that's out there is a complete lie. Um, I've trashed most of Timothy Wiley's
2: book. What's the current um, narrative right now? Like, what would be the mainstream version of what the Process Church is?
3: So, Timothy Wiley seems to be the mouthpiece. And the way that it's stated is essentially, uh, you know, the DeGrimstons who founded... The process. Uh, they were in Scientology for a little while. They decided to create their own spin-off, kind of broke away from it. They were still auditing people and they were uh, and they they were using Scientology. This is a Scientology cult because it's still active today. Um, but Then they all got together and decided that they were basically just going to be goth and they were LARPing. That's the way that they make it seem is that they were just trying to be weird and edgy and they were in this uh, very highbrow area in England. But this is an area that I've been able to trace factually where this is where like nobility families live. This is not just you have a lot of money. You are tied to royalty. Um, like Lord Grimston, I've tied the Cecils, <laughs> Lord Salisbury, I mean this is literally like black nobility stuff as far as the de Grimstons go. It's very it gets so complicated, but you know that the, the ex Scientology community specifically, because I was like, okay, they're calling it a splinter group, but when you read about it, or you watch some that documentary Sympathy for the Devil, which is it's a great documentary visually, like it's fantastic. And you get to see a lot of pictures that you've never seen before. And they do interview some of the original members. But you know, they're going to the Bahamas, and they want to buy an island in the Bahamas, and then they're going to Mexico, and then they're traveling all over the world. And it's like, that doesn't really seem like a splinter group to me. (laughs) That seems like maybe they have a black budget. Like, is this an intelligence operation? Um, and so far it is. I've tied most of them to intelligence, including Timothy Wiley specifically. Um, he has a very strange intelligence history that almost matches with L. Ron Hubbard's very early intelligence history, which is kind of bizarre, but because it is a Scientology, uh, You know, cult that kind of makes sense to me. Um, and then with Ed Sanders' book, The Family, you know, how they got the chapter about them removed out of it here from publications, they lost that lawsuit in the UK. And I found those records, and that was most of my process series was reading everybody those 400 pages of court records because it they lied they lied and they did ed sanders so dirty they did him so dirty um there was a lot of very interesting stuff in that and it's the vatican was assisting them i have that on record like the vatican was helping the process church of the
2: final judgment um do you remember off the top of your head what what that record was from because i'd love to look that up
3: Um, So it is the 1974, uh, just the, it's the process church. They only had, I think, four members specifically because the DeGrimstons didn't go. And it's like, okay, they, they didn't go because they're intelligence, period. Um, But it was, it was, it was against Ed Sanders. That's all it was against. They had already, uh, you know, silenced him here in the States. So that was successful. Um, but yeah, they definitely lost over there and they paint that as a conservative judge that it's sort of a early satanic panic. No, no, (laughs) no, no. Because once you read through all of those, and it's not just the stuff with the Vatican, there's so many other things, um, the dates, it goes so much further back than the original dates. And it was, uh, they had financial companies and they were trading. There may be some uh, offshore shell accounts in Africa right before the overthrow of Kwame Nkrumah <laughs> uh, with this really suspect doctor. I'm still trying to figure out T- all of Typical that.
2: LARP stuff, you know, just things that LARPing groups usually
3: yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, we're just, <laughs> uh, you know, goth LARPing around the world. Um
2: Setting up shell companies, typical LARP stuff.
3: Right. And, you know, uh, Lord Grimston and Lord Cecil and, you know, all of that. It's, it's completely ridiculous. And uh, their big argument in those court records, specifically, because obviously they're going to say one thing in an interview or in a documentary. Uh, where they say, Ed Sanders says that, uh, you know, we were eating babies and all this and that. That's not what he said at all. And he didn't even blame it on the process. He did not blame the Manson the Manson murders on them specifically, but he said that they were one of three groups that he believes contributed to what happened. Um, and I mean... I think that it's down to two groups because they had four different deities. So they were able to cloak themselves under the guise of Jesus cults as well. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, is that Manson believed exactly what they believed. And George from CavDAF got me a nice chunk of uh, Ed Sanders files from Princeton. And there's a lot of police reports out there that say that the process was absolutely involved in what happened at the Cielo House specifically
2: you mentioned something a second ago too like how weird is that that L. Ron Hubbard also had this like intelligence air around him and I mean that's in the DNA at least from what my understanding is that even Scientology kind of came from OTO via Crowley and Crowley had the exact same rumors about him that he was working for you know MI5 or MI6 and uh, that you know what what is it and uh, I mean, off the top of my head too. I'm just thinking of like Sidney Gottlieb, who was also like into weird occultism and sort of at the head of like the the helm of the MK Ultra. Even hell, I mean, the Dulles. I think one of the Dulles cut their teeth on writing a whole entire report about the Elders of the Protocol or the protocols of the Elders of Zion, and that kind of got him on the map. So there's there's this interesting connection between intelligence and like cults and secret societies. Um, I mean, and I guess the more you learn about like Bavarian Illuminati and like all the old secret societies, all it was was just intelligence networks. There were just ways of hoarding information and using it from places of power. Where, where does that Like I'm trying to figure out the lineage in my own mind. Crowley comes and somehow the OTO turns into Scientology in the States. And then the Scientology splinters into a whole bunch of different things, process church one of like 20 different variations of that, even like Temple of Set and and um, the Church of Satan, like all of that more or less kind of came from those original OTO roots, didn't they? Or do I have some of that wrong?
3: I think there's no, I don't know that there's, I wouldn't say wrong. Um, you know, Hubbard was being groomed for intelligence from I think the time he was 12. Um, so, you know, he's, those stories where you'll see people on TV who have left and this and that, and they say that all of Hubbard's records, as far as his naval, military, what have you, uh, that it's a lie. Well, that's not true. Uh, he was intelligence, and so they had to make things look a certain way. But the fact of the matter is, he was being groomed for intelligence from a very young age. Um And so with Timothy Wiley specifically, you know, Timothy Wiley is in Tangier with William S. Burroughs and John Stark Cook. That's what Hubbard was doing as well around the same time, you know, but Wiley would have been like a teenager at that time. So that's just really weird that they're both hanging out with the same people around the same age, you know, in their very late teens. As far as Crowley specifically, yes. I say that that is the start as far as British intelligence, because this is all British intelligence. That's where the root of all of this comes from, is that. So there's the story that, you know, Hubbard, you know, Crowley was his dear friend. And it's like, well, possibly. But what I'm trying to show people is that the heads, right? So Crowley, Hubbard, um, the DeGrimstons, Wiley from the process, whoever, They're the intelligence operatives. Now, they may believe in it to an extent. However, they have a black budget and they have a goal that they need to accomplish. What is the goal? Part of it, obviously, information gathering, but also behavior modification and group control. And they know that there's people that are going to believe in these things. So they'll do whatever they're told, right? Um, Especially in that group sort of like community. We're humans. We naturally crave community. Um, and people are attracted to certain things, but, you know, Scientology pops up, but Scientology wasn't around long and literally the process was right behind it. And, you know, Anton LaVey, well, he doesn't necessarily have intelligence ties, but he has mafia ties for sure. Um, he also has some very bizarre ties to the Haganah and other extremist groups from that area of the world which is very strange.
2: Can you inform um, me on that? The Haganah?
3: That is um I have to be delicate. Uh that is uh Israeli uh like extremist uh, groups specifically there's like some pro, pro really government
2: anti government uh
3: pro their government.
2: Okay. But extremist, <laughs> very
3: extremist. Yeah. Very extremist. Um, very violent, uh, kind of like what's going on now, depending on what you read for your news. Uh, it's that kind of stuff like pogroms. Uh, it's not good. Uh, but those ties are old school. You know what I mean? Cause that's, you know, in the fifties and the sixties and, you know, Ron Hubbard and Parsons did the Babylon working and Parsons was absolutely, you know, in the church of the and he was, he had great affection for Crowley a hundred percent. I personally think that, uh, Parsons was targeted. I think that he was targeted by Marjorie Cameron and he was targeted by L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, there were a lot of people that wanted him dead. I don't think it was either of them. But, I think that they did target him to kind of start his life on that downward downward spiral,
2: interesting because I think he considered Marjorie Cameron to be the homunculi that resulted from Babylon working, right? But was that just was this just like um you know, distinguished gentleman' style con game where they saw the mark and the mark was Parsons, and it was like, let's play our roles in this, or like where? I'm I'm fascinated by Marjorie Cameron being like in on something against Parsons.
3: I so she's so she's intelligence too. So she's okay. she's got intelligence ties. So it's I think of her as like sort of like an MK sex kitten. You know, like she's a honeypot. Um, what were her ties? She's British intelligence. <laughs> All these okay. people are British intelligence. Now it's interesting because when I was doing my research for Babylon working. I had seen it, and then I lost it, and I finally found it. She had ties pre-dating Parsons to Kenneth Anger, which is kind of weird, and I haven't figured that out yet. But there's an interview with Kenneth Anger where he talks about, you know, their deep friendship, and then she gets married to Parsons, and then obviously Parsons is, in my opinion, murdered. Um, and then Marjorie Cameron moves in with him, and they, you know, deepen their occult practice and that's kind of that, which I don't, I haven't heard that often, you know, and I know he just passed away earlier this year. So I think it's going to take a little while for more stuff to come out there. Um, but as far as, especially with Lavey, Cause I think LaVey was LARPing. Like if anybody's going to say that anyone was LARPing, he looks like he's literally running around in a $20 Amazon devil onesie. Like it's well,
2: ridiculous. My, my favorite story. And I, I want to believe it's true. So I'm just going to say it's true. I don't care if it is or not. <laughs> that But He saw an episode of wild, wild West called night of the Druid's blood. And it starred. Oh man. It, it starred. Um, it's, it starred some guy. I mean, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he saw, uh, he saw that Don Rickles. It starred Don Rickles as like this sat- satanic cultist that wore like a black hood, and he had the pointy mustache, and he had the little pointy beard. And the story was that he saw this on TV, just watching it at home, and that gave them this inspiration that the next time he went to his little cabaret, that he shaved his head and he kind of dressed up exactly like Don Rickles. And if you put it do a side by side. It really does look like you you can kind of tell where he got. Legitimate to
3: me. That sounds totally legitimate to me. Seriously. Because I mean, you know, after he passed away, you know, it comes out that like, you know, most of the things that he said about his life was a lie pre, you know, the Church of Satan. But I mean, he does have weird ties. You know, he has mafia ties, he has ties to the Haganah. Um, but I definitely think that he was LARPing. I think that uh you know michael aquino was a hardcore believer absolutely um i think so do you that, think he
2: got dissatisfied like like levey wasn't taking it seriously enough
3: yeah absolutely i definitely think so i think that you know and it's funny because you know at it was right before uh aquino passed away i mean the temple of set kind of became the same thing as far as you know you just could kind of pay your way through and You just keep paying and you can move up within the temple, which was what he was giving Anton LaVey grief about. But I don't know, maybe you become sort of like jaded as you get older. I don't really know. Um, But also, I mean, everybody should keep in mind that Michael Aquino was a liar. Um, He lied about so many things, but we do know that he started the uh, Temple of Set and he was part of the Phoenix program. Uh, And he was also a Nazi. So those things we know to be a fact, and the things that happened at the Presidio, as far as his court record. Um, How far but have you I, traced
2: him back? Because I don't, I don't know almost anything about Aquino until he already popped on the scene in the military.
3: Um. So i've I've traced his mother. I found his mother. She was. <laughs> when you see these old newspapers about her, it's so silly because like the old newspapers are so dramatic and that's why I love them. But she was like one of the first gifted kids ever. Uh And so she was taught under Lewis Terman and every, every paper that you find of her Betty Ford. And it's uh, she's read 10,000 books and she's only, you know, six years old. It's just 10,000 books,
2: 10,000 books. This is a Queen O's mom. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What was her name? Betty Ford. Oh, her, her name is Betty Ford.
3: God, what's her full name? That's what she, no, she, she went by Betty. What was it? Ooh, I have his, um, I have his death certificate on my YouTube and on my Twitter. Why can't I think of it? She went by Betty,
2: but I can't, we could, think we'll post the full name in right the, now. in the description. You know, if you yeah, I'll it find it.
3: it. I'll send it to you because I have a couple of them saved on my computer. Just Betty
2: Ford would be hard. There's a, there was a lot of Betty Ford.
3: Oh. There's people that are like, oh, it's that Betty Ford. That was Michael Aquino's mom. And then people take it like the whole QAnon way. And I'm like, no, no, come back. Come back. Sorry. This was a a nickname. Um, And there were rumors that, you know, apparently she was engaged to an SS officer, but Michael Aquino, when the Internet came around, you know, he could not resist. So if there was a chat room and somebody was asking, trying to figure it out, he would jump in and say something. And so he weaves this narrative about his mother and his grandmother being in a restaurant with Hitler, you know, and I'm just like, OK, that's a really weird brag. Um, but his father, you really never hear anything about his father. There's no marriage certificate. It's just a Michael uh, a Michael Aquino senior uh, from Italy doesn't really check out to me. And that's why kind of looking at the comparison of L. Ron Hubbard and Michael Aquino specifically and tracing the actual beginning of the Babylon working in Lieber 49, where technically it starts in January of that year, um, I think that there's a strong argument that L. Ron Hubbard is Michael Aquino's father. I think that Michael Aquino was the uh, homunculus moon child. And I think that Jack Parsons was not the father at all.
2: This is wild. This is the first time that I've actually heard any. Are there any other credible homunculus theories? Because I mean, I've heard Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and like none of the I've dates line up. I've heard that crazy stuff too. But, like, but, but what are the legitimate people that could have been the actual homunculus.
3: Well, I mean, if you go by the narrative, it failed. And then they tried to recreate it, Jack Parsons and Marjorie Cameron tried again and I I don't know if she had a miscarriage or if it was in a, you know, she uh, aborted it at home. I don't know if I should censor myself. Um I, I don't so we're know. We're actually sponsored but-
2: by Planned Parenthood this, this episode. So
3: don't worry <laughs> about it. Literally supported by demons. We actually, we're going to um, have a
2: picture of Margaret Sanger's face superimposed on top of yours. <laughs> flashing like, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, no, but I mean, that's the story is that it failed, that there was no homunculus moon child, and that, you know, her and Jack tried again and it failed. And I'm like, mm, I don't buy that because there's interviews on tape with people in Pasadena sort of after all of that, that were living at that house with Jack Parsons that were going to those parties. And they're like, Oh, there were tons of women, tons of women. And they were behind closed doors. You know, we don't, we don't know what they were doing. Uh, and they did want virgins. They made that very clear. They didn't say for what, but I mean, they were trying this for, I think almost two months. And Ron does, disappear for a couple of days and they don't say where he's going. Did he go and knock up Betty Ford, you know, and then come back? I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of up in the air, but it's I think it's a plausible argument because of just the similar paths that they took, you know what I mean? And when I was doing my research, I was looking at the hospital that uh, L. Ron Hubbard When he gets injured and like cures himself, like he's like, oh, I was blind and I hurt my back, whatever. And I cured myself when uh, when I was in the Navy. So when I was looking that up and I was listening to one of his lectures, he talks about basically pulling an MK ultra move where he changes his lapel and he pretends to be a doctor for like a year. And I'm like, okay. Okay why has nobody, why have I never heard this before? Why has this not been brought up? This is super suspicious. And this is him saying it himself? This is all Ron Hubbard saying it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's weird because when you read some of the narratives about him, it talks about there was a period of time where he wore a doctor's coat and read some endocrinology books. So people know, but I don't know why they don't make that connection. And I'm like, Mm, No, that doesn't suss out to me. So I looked through the archives of that hospital, that naval hospital, because they had all these old newspapers. Well, wouldn't you know it? um, Presidio was next door and it ended up merging with the Presidio in, uh, I think, like 1964, 1965, which is where Michael Aquino literally worked and did what he did at uh, the Presidio daycare. So that's just another tie.
2: What's the, I mean, let me lead with, with what I've heard first and then ask you what you think. So I've heard that like the modern day extension of the Babylon working and just all of this culminates perhaps even in like Epstein because on Zorro ranch, um, he maybe has some sort of, um, geometric layout that represents some of the Babylon working. I mean, grasping at straws a little bit here, but he was also fascinated with like virgins and, um, you know testing all sorts of different like i think he wanted to have like 20 plus uh children under his name and he was obsessed with dna and genetics so that's where my mind is typically gone like you've got the, the what i would call the crowleyan homunculus which is that moon child version and then maybe there's like an epsteinian homunculus is is there any legitimacy to tying that thread and is there any other steps in between like what what happens after parsons dies and l ron hubbard dies and you know, LaVey is out LARPing and Aquino is, you know, doing his thing. Who's actually carrying on and still trying to make homunculi?
3: That's a great question because the process specifically had no interest really in children. Uh, you know, they revered animals very, very much. Uh, they also sacrificed them, but that's neither here nor there.
2: Are they vegans? Um, No, No. not necessarily.
3: No, no. There's a a mixture of rumors of sacrifice, worship, and eating. So it's kind of up in the air as far as the eating part. But sacrificing and worshiping, absolutely. Um, Possibly some other inappropriate things that have been documented in police reports. The Manson girls were getting treatment for it at the height for canine diseases. So... Can't uh, make the distinction between those two, in my opinion. Um, As far as a comparison just from Epstein, because, yeah, Epstein was absolutely into transhumanism, 100%. I mean, he said he wanted to seed the human race with his DNA. Um, I think the stuff with Zorro Ranch is interesting because of Best Friends Animal Society, because, you know, that's the process, in my opinion, but I've shown that it's all the same people that are there what, right now. Can you
2: go into that more? Because I'm not as familiar. I mean, I can, I can derive what they're about, but how does that tie into Epstein?
3: Well, so specifically with Zorro Ranch, it's in New Mexico, and I'm working on this part, but there's some Maxwell ties that remain, and there's some a lot of Scientology ties. As far as money. So right now I'm working on the money. So there's something going on because there's the mind research institute out there specifically, which uh, kind of reminds me of like a modern day. I know the Esalen Institute is still around, but that's more like Silicon Valley, right? Um, This gives me more of that initial uh, Stanford Research Institute, Esalen Institute, Like, what the hell are you guys doing out here in the desert? Uh, They've got some weird contracts with one of the tribes out there. Um, So it's convoluted, but I don't think that you're wrong. I just don't want to say the wrong thing without making the argument, but you're on the money with it. You're a hundred percent on the money with it. There's something up out there. Absolutely. There's something wrong out there. 110%. In the Babylon
2: working, they claim that you want to do it out in the middle of nowhere because that's where these like wandering spirits or ghosts or whatever it is that you're trying to attract. And there you go in Zorro ranch out in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, I don't, I don't know.
3: And Best Friends Animal Society uh, out in Utah, you know, they're in Knob and literally the property that they own is where people have been hunting for Montezuma's gold. And now they own it. So no one can go there except for them. That's not suspicious whatsoever.
2: The way you're describing Process Church, too, about like, oh, they're just LARPing and it's just a bunch of high society people just messing with you because they're rich and frivolous. It reminds me of the finders. Because that was sort of the same explanation for the finders. It's like, oh, it's just maybe this quasi intelligence group based out of DC, and they do silly things like dress kids up in burlap sacks and drive them around in vans to warehouses with like, you know, animal parts and jars. And is there any direct connection there, or is it just similar in theme? No, no direct connection that
3: I know of, because. I mean as far as I understand it and I'm not taking claim for the research whatsoever I'm just you know stating what I have found that I have not been able to find I mean literally everything that's out there about the process has been a lie. It has been a flat out lie or it has been conspiracy and it has not been proven. I have been able to trace where these people were born. I have what birth records I can get, their naturalization papers like This is who they are, and I'm following them. Uh, Robert de Grimston, the male founder, you know, I'm working on his lineage. I mean, they're tied into opium trafficking over in China. His grandfather was working for the Vatican. His dad was working, well, he was working for a shipping company, supposedly. But I mean, they're both going back and forth under the guise of the Vatican and another company that was heavily implicated in opium trafficking back in the day. Um, a lot of the stuff about them, uh, even the stuff in Ed Sanders book, and I don't fault him for it at all because, you know, back then it's the seventies, where are you going to get accurate information? He was cut off, you know, right at the beginning. Um, and the things that he was able to get in those files that, uh, that George from Cavdef got for me, it was because of discovery from the lawsuit in the UK, because I have I have proven, and I have, and I I will say it confidently because, you know, uh, some of these ex-Scientologists are getting a little uh, injunction happy lately, um, which is neither here nor there, but they know what happened with Manson. They know what happened with Sharon Tate specifically.
2: I know that. Scientologists do?
3: No, the process members, some of them are still alive but these people are tied to Scientology specifically because there are two whistleblowers that I've been working with from the church of Scientology. They blew back in the day. Um, and it's like Gary Webb type whistleblowing, like attempts on their lives. They've had people. About taken to say, out. When
2: you, if It's Gary Webb style. That's not a good thing,
3: <laughs> but it's, but it's real, right? Like, you know wise. that they've, they've pissed somebody off. Right. Um, and the, the husband, Mike, um, he told me, so he was in the guardian's office, which was the pre OSA office of special affairs. What it is now, this was the CIA of the church. They were using government training manuals to train these people. And, you know, he had operations specifically, you know, watching and monitoring and infiltrating the anti-cult movement, Jolly West, Margaret Singer, uh, some MK stuff that was going on. I've done a couple episodes on some of that, but they all knew at the top in his role, they knew what was going on everywhere because they would meet in London at this. It's called Worldwide, and it's basically all the locations of the church, the highest intel. They all come together together. Everybody knows what's going on. No mention of the process and no mention of Charles Manson whatsoever. Don't touch. That sounds like a hands-off operation to me. Like that's a controlled operation. Like you're not touching it. So I have Jolly West not saying anything specifically about the Temple of Set, the Church of Satan, or the process. He's also not, not touching Manson, even though he's literally in the height specifically. And then Scientology, who we all know, loves to sue everybody, right? Like, and you can't say anything bad about Scientology. They're sponsor a sponsor of the no- show
2: too, so you watch it.
3: These people think, these ex-Scientologists think that I work for the church. They think that I'm part of the current CIA of the church. I'm like... The OTA? The OSA. They think I'm the OSA. OSA? Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Can but you prove
2: that you're not? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm i'm honestly um my my friend uh i'm next on that uh, little uh, injunction that's what uh, certain people are telling me is that i'm going to be named next because i'm coming out with this stuff about the process because when i did this i didn't know that nobody had ever asked these people to prove anything they just took them at their word they didn't ask them to show anything So I didn't want to do it a disservice. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't just take it from this dude's book where he's saying that he's at the Hefner mansion and, you know, he's hanging out with William Burroughs in Tangier. Like, that's super obscure. You know what I mean? And, oh, and his mother works for British intelligence. But, like, I found her records. She worked for the Department of Economic Warfare in the UK. She was absolutely intelligence. Like, I've been able to verify some of these things. Um, but so much of it is a lie and there were no orders globally anywhere. And at that time, because that was right around the time of the Ed Sanders lawsuit, they said in court on record, they were in over a hundred cities in the United States and over a half a million members worldwide. So the church of Scientology absolutely knew. They knew because they were using Scientology technology and Ed Sanders says in his book, um, and I confirmed with these whistleblowers that this individual did exist within his role. It was a, you know, lower echelon in uh, the guardian's office. But they said, these people are running around calling themselves the process Church of Scientology because they were auditing people. So they knew, the church knew, but they did not say a thing. They said nothing, not once. Why? Why? Well, we can all use our brains and uh, just kind of come down to the easiest deduction, which is we're letting them do their thing and we're going to be the upper crust of Scientology because you have to have a lot of money. They're celebrities, right, to go clear, to clear yourself of all the bad, whatever. And they're kind of like, you know, the the dark dark of society, the Satanists and the hippies and whoever, but they're doing the exact same thing. It's, it's insulting at this point to me, but you know,
2: and and speaking of just making things up and lies, you, you started out. So there's like a fork in the road and I can take it one of two ways. And I really want to go one way, but I also want to, I want to talk about like satanic panic is the, the fork. It's in my mind. And sure. I really want to understand the, There's like the modern day version that I think is all kind of BS as well. And the modern day version, I think, goes something like this. And please fill in after I spell out the very superficial version. But this book, Michelle Remembers, comes out. And I think it's like Canada or something. And, you know, they basically, this girl says all these crazy things. And she was part of these satanic rituals. And just like the the most abhorrent things that you can imagine is kind of written in this book and that apparently these all came directly from this girl, but then you look into it, and this is where the false memory syndrome comes in, is that there were like, I don't know, like un- unlicensed, they're just like various psychologists that would sit down with the kids, and it's where like the whole show me on the doll where it touched you sort of thing came from, and I guess the, the rebuttal was that, oh, well, they were leading the kids on, they're poisoning the well, they're leading the witness, so to speak, where you're not allowed to say like, did he punch you like this? You know what I mean? And all the kid has to do is nod the head. Yes. Right. and It's like, Oh my God, were there goats there? And if they keep nodding, so like you can almost play it like a Mad Libs game. And as long as the kid nods, then they're, so that's the superficial on the face version where it's like, okay, well clearly we can't take any kids at their word. Um, none of the, the, you know, the, the sort of testimony of the children didn't really hold up in court. The McMartin thing where you know the kids came out and they were saying like there was underground tunnels and that they were doing sacrifices and um but all of that is now if you look back on it all the research is like every single person that got caught up in that it was just a huge misunderstanding it was just like a complete fervor of the american and international public and almost like a scar that people want to just pretend doesn't exist but it also is weird that it just kind of like came out of nowhere or that's the narrative so anyways, that's the modern version of Satanic Panic. What's What's your take on the modern version and Michelle Remembers and McMartin and all of that? So... Three words or I less.
3: I think McMartin is so complicated because it's... I mean, the book, the book that explains... What actually happened was just released like two years ago. And it took that guy like 20 years. And he had his students. He was a college professor. He sent them all over the country to interview these people, to get these records, all of this. Um, And I haven't even been able to read it yet. So I know, though, that it is extremely complicated. I haven't even read Michelle Remembers because I don't really care and here's why is because specifically with the Presidio daycare and Michael Aquino, that happened. That's still on his army record. You can see those court records. They took it off of his wife's, but they did not take it off of his. Um, That absolutely happened. And I think that something very, very wrong did happen and at McMartin. And I listened to an interview with Nick Bryant, uh, the author of the Franklin scandal, and he had that author on and there were some very bad things that were happening, absolutely. But the narrative, as he compiled the research, it didn't blow up out of nowhere. It took like almost a year. Like there were letters that were sent out to the families. It was kind of slow burning. But then I think that the media was given their, you know, barking orders from whoever up above that, okay it's time to sort of seed this out and create this sort of panic. Now, whether people think that this is like super noided or not, I don't really care. This is just my opinion is specifically, you know, whether you have Michael Aquino writing his book, um, God, what was it called? Something whatever, where it's him and his wife and they're being targeted. It's a witch hunt, right? And it's about the Presidio daycare case. I don't know why I can't think of it, but I can see him on the stupid cover with his eyebrows. Um, And then you have like the process, the process silenced Ed Sanders, right? And so you have all of these people running around pretending that they're victims and that they're being targeted when there's some pretty good evidence, and some substantial claims about the things that they're doing right but they're they're painting this as a witch hunt um on top of that you also have the testimony came out in 1993 it was the human radiation experiments committee with bill clinton where he basically apologizes for the terrible things that we Just did bad, right
2: <laughs> do 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 sorry do do. It brings out the i didn't inhale well.
3: yeah exactly um But in that testimony, there are, I believe, three or four, and they were women by that time, uh, who were abused by some of the later False Memory Syndrome Foundation board members, specifically CIA doctors, where they were drugged, they were tortured, and multiple personalities was induced. So... That's where the false memory thing gets really complicated, because the fact of the matter is, is that the false memory syndrome was never a syndrome ever. Johns Hopkins, of course, the one that still does pandemic war games, right? They were the first uh, and mm, probably the most prominent that recognized it as a syndrome, but it never went into the DSM-5, the sort of gold standard for psychiatry and psychology. the False Memory Syndrome Foundation was literally created because uh, a child, when she got older, had memories of her father doing very bad things to her in her youth. And her dear mother, uh, Miss Pamela Afraid, could not let the world know what her husband did. So she literally turned around and created a pedophile charity organization. That's literally what happened. Um, the original like thing that they mailed out at the time, the second one that they ever sent, it says, how do we know that we're not protecting pedophiles? And the answers that she gives is, we look like nice people. We have graying hairlines. You would want to be our friends and a lie detector test that we know in our hearts that we shouldn't have to take. Seriously. So you have that, and within two years, you have CIA doctors getting on the board, and all of a sudden, they're getting a ton of funding right around the time that the satanic panic stuff is going on. I don't think that that's a coincidence. People can think that that's super noided but doesn't check out to me.
2: I feel like the satanic panic has kind of always been here. It's just like that, that button that they can push whenever they really need to. Um, I don't know how far back and you were talking about like Vatican ties and I guess even the the predecessor to Crowley I see is uh, Leo Taxel comes out with a whole bunch yeah. of books on Freemasonry and Satanism and that was sort of yeah. the original satanic panic and yeah what, what's your take on that because man this this kind of um, there's like a, a litmus test sort of line in the sand here where some people are like no Leo Taxel despite him admitting that it was all just a farce and he was messing with people, he was onto something. He really did see Freemasons worshiping Baphomet and doing sacrifices. And therefore it's all evil black magic. And then the other end is like, no, he made it up. He said that he made it up to make the church and to make Freemasons both just look silly and succeeded. But that, that paladists that he claimed were like these, you know, Satanists, they also get, Uh, spread around in like the high society of, I think the West side of New York, like where, where basically um, like the modern day Satanists were doing like spells against Hitler or doing spells against the Nazis, but they called themselves the the Paladins too, which I think then leads into the seventh victim, a movie in like thirties or forties. Also the guy that did cat people, Bodine, there's this whole, anyway, the, the thread that I'm tying here, though, is that like Leo Taxel kind of brings this modern version of there's a Satanist hiding behind every corner and you don't know what they look like. Um, and it kind of never went away.
3: I don't disagree. I think, I think that there's a bit of truth to both sides. I think that maybe he did see those things. But he also knew that he could use it to his advantage. Now, whether it was the simplicity of trying to make secret societies and the church look silly, you know, who can really prove one way or the other? Because obviously, these institutions are going to be able to profit off of fear, especially the church, right? Um, So that's something that they know that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, grift off of, in my opinion, because everything at the end of the day It's intelligence and it's a grift. It's how can we control your behavior? How can we modify it? Um, And then how can we take your money so that we can further control you? Um, That's just the way that I look at all of these things. And I do think, like I said, that, you know, there are some people that absolutely believe in it. They will do terrible things. Michael Aquino being one of them. Um, But the roots of it, I mean, hey, he could have been, uh, you know, just running some sort of operation on his own and he just had a really great time and, you know, was started having fun with it and thought that it was silly. And that was kind of what he left out, you know, cause Ron Hubbard never admitted that he was intelligence ever. He never broke that. He, he took that to, uh, to the grave. He never, ever, ever exposed that. Uh, and I think that he was murdered. So.
2: Elron no, Ron.
3: I, I, I am, I confidently, and I've had other people who, Worked with L. Ron Hubbard that I have talked to, and they are of that agreement as well. There's, What's the
2: official story on his death, and what do you think's the, the real one? That
3: he just got really hooked on you know, drugs near the end, and he was in hiding because there were so many lawsuits coming out at the time. You know, of all these different programs and Operation Snow White where you know, it's the biggest government infiltration done by the Church of Scientology. Well, hold on. And it's the, way like, you're,
2: the way you're saying that, because I always thought that was like their saving grace in my mind. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek, but like respect to anyone that can break back into the government and like take their files. But you were kind of rolling your eyes as you said, OK, so what what's the real deal on that?
3: I mean, it it is what happened. It is. Um, One of these whistleblowers, the husband, he was part of running Operation Snow White specifically. Um, And I mean, there's videos, his testimony. He has it on YouTube. He's extremely intelligent. Um, But even he he heard me say it because they were kind of like just watching my research without reaching out to me. And then I would randomly get these anonymous links to stuff about like Jolly West that I would say like, man, if I just had this document and then it would arrive and I'm like, where's this coming from? Um, They're just, they're so smart and they're so kind. But he said, he's like, yeah, it was absolutely a red herring because, Mm -hmm. you know, there was what I would call, you know, sort of a coup going on. There was people were getting in trouble because of the things that were going on with Iran Contra. Because the Church of Scientology is not separate from Iran Contra, because uh, these are multiple intelligence operations going on at the exact same time. Um, and stepping, you're blowing back my mind right that, now.
2: I've never heard Scientology connected to Iran Contra before.
3: They won't talk about it. They won't talk about it, and that's why these like there is a handful of whistleblowers that people have never heard of. You will never see them on TV. This is why because this is the kind of stuff that they've been able to bring forward and documentation that I haven't even seen, um, that they've had on their blog that other people have seen. And then they've had to take it back because people have tried to sue them and get the blog taken down. Um, I don't know if you know the website Cessner, Massimo mm-hmm. Intravigno. it's this like huge religious website he's an uh, he's a Catholic extremist uh this dude has gone after them trying to get it taken down as soon as they start bringing in the intelligence ties to the whole thing uh, but from what I understand and it's a very watered down version is, There was a lot of problems going on with the drug trafficking specifically, and uh, the CIA and the FBI got pissed and decided to come in and, you know, pull rank and it was time for hubs to uh, back off. But I in internally. There was a coup, there was some sort of coup going on within the leadership, Uh, because a lot of people don't know that the president of the church after L. Ron Hubbard was a polygamous Mormon. By the name of Heber Gench. Uh, He is apparently alive. People have changed their stories. I don't think that he's with us any longer. Once I'm done with my process series, I'm going on a Where's Heber campaign because no one knows where he is. I think that he suffered the exact same fate. I also think it's real weird that a Mormon polygamist uh, who had a band with Clint Eastwood, like he was. On his way up, like he was going to be a star. And I think that he got uh, honey potted and they pulled him into the church specifically to take over. Um, But as far as like the Iran Contra angle, if you kind of step back, it makes more sense to me when you look at the process and you look at, okay, what else was going on? MK Ultra, right? And we know what you and Cameron was doing in Canada, right? And then we have the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, who's literally trafficking drugs all over the world. So I think that the Brotherhood of Eternal Love and the process, <laughs> um, that this was the beginning of Iran Contra. That was when it all started specifically was with wow. the Brotherhood.
2: Have you done a video series on on this particular topic yet?
3: Um, I've started it. Yeah, I started there because they did a Senate committee hearing just on the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. And I didn't know that. Um, And it's not super long, but it at least breaks it down. And I'm like, oh, look, the process is going exactly where they're going. Isn't that convenient, guys? Like, this makes perfect sense. It's like the deadheads
2: following them around the country in in the vans.
3: I'm just like, of course. Of course they are. That's exactly what they're doing. And I, I, it was a guess. And then I went hunting through the, uh, through the archives and I was like, damn, well, my guessing skills were pretty good today. Um, because with Manson, it was Wojciech Frykowski. And I think maybe Terry Melcher, there was an issue with mescaline and MDA, right? Like there, there were rumors that maybe someone was having a bad trip and maybe that was the cause of what happened. I don't think that it is, but there was bad MDA and mescaline going around. Obviously, mescaline still pretty obscure back then, as was MDA. Well, specifically, uh, Jolly West' predecessor, Dr. Charles Savage. You know, he's working with mescaline and MDA, and I have found the records. They were getting it from Canada where you and Cameron was also running MK ultra experiments on it as well. And then specifically the brother, the brotherhood of eternal love was also trafficking that stuff later on, right around the same time. So I think that uh, this is all just one big operation with little operations here and there, because it's, it's not a coincidence,
2: This is quite a a rational approach so far. I mean, very pragmatic. Uh, I think that a lot of this is just the result of the long form research. When you do long form research, you kind of know all these like nooks and crannies and it it takes way less magical thinking and more just being like a meticulous terrier and just being like, what's that name? Oh, I haven't seen that name before. Let's go and find out who that person's parents are, who are their grandparents. So that's, there's a a lot that goes into this. I do want to get you to speculate on some some more frivolous things. So I'm going to segue okay. us into a, a little segment, and I'm just going to get a temperature check on you. Are you, are you ready for this?
0: Okay. All right, yep. let's do this. Hey, Conspiracy Buffs, I double dare you to take some PCP, the Paranormal Conspiracy Probe. On your marks, get set, and go!
2: All right, I've been dying to ask this one. And no, normally okay. these are pretty short. It's like a zero to 10. Zero meaning you give it absolutely no credit. And 10 meaning okay. like, absolutely, I've already done the research. Here's the links. And then okay. five is like, either you don't care, or you're not decided. So okay. you've mentioned you and Cameron a few times. This is the the thing that I really want to understand. Um, How much credit would you give Fritz Springmeier's work if you're familiar with Fritz Springmeier?
3: I'm not very familiar with Fritz Spenmeier, so he he, so. he
2: wrote a book called the uh oh man like the the Illuminati Manual for creating an undetectable mind control slave and he claims that Dr. Ewan Cameron went by the name Dr. White that um that that Mengle was also brought to the u s and he went by the name Dr Green um, dr. and then Green. I think that like Gottlieb might have been like a dr black a lot of this sort of expands from earlier work by a guy named john todd uh and john todd was um basically like this born-again christian on the surface said that he was raised in a druid illuminati family and that was going to expose them all but then he went back and started opening up more like occult bookshops so anyways this all also ties back to like project montauk and camp hero and like stranger things research all of that kind of balls up and I kind of guess is summarized by a lot of Fritz Springmeier's work. If you're not familiar, I highly recommend just looking at it and just to see what you think about it because he also talks I'll about the Moonchild ritual. Everything.
3: I'll say a seven only because in the Human Radiation Experiments Committee there is a Dr. Green that is referenced multiple times. So I'll say a seven.
2: Okay. Next question zero. To, I'll make these ones quicker too. It's usually more rapid fire. So <laughs> zero to ten that. Crowley or Parsons or L. Ron Hubbard might have actually created a homunculus at some point or or could have a 10, like like a legit homunculus. What about alchemical homunculi? What do you think about those? Do you think like Paracelsus was able to create a homunculus?
3: Five.
2: What about magic? So Parsons and Crowley. You know, do they think that they were actually able to summon demons or tap into like another dimension for power? Ten. Uh what about um MK Ultra and Disney? Do you think Disney in particular had active involvement in MK Ultra mind control? Ten. Uh is Walt Disney cryogenically frozen? Mm,
3: I'm gonna say a three.
2: All right, we're we're in the low range. Dinosaurs, are they real?
3: Yeah, 10. Yeah, I think 10? so.
2: What about dragons?
3: Yeah, 10. Yeah.
2: 10 for dragons too. What about yeah. flat earth? Flat earth versus round earth, where you at?
3: I don't care. That's my thing. If I'm being completely honest, the flat earth thing, I'm I'm happy either way my feet are on the
2: ground. You wouldn't you wouldn't care if there was a concept of infinite land, like that we were living on an infinite plane?
3: My problem would be because I don't think that we went to the moon. So that's my issue.
2: Oh, you're you're jumping ahead. Okay, zero to ten. We went to the moon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> so it sounds like a zero? Are you at a zero on on a human being has stepped foot on the moon in the last hundred years? Oh, zero. Do you think anyone's ever stepped on the moon in, in history? Do you think the moon even exists? Let, let me put it that way. <laughs> or is it I like a localized real. okay okay the moon
3: is real. Um, I don't believe that anyone went to the moon. I think that the moon landing was a distraction for what we were doing in Vietnam. so
2: have you uh, are you familiar with the concept of tartaria?
3: I've heard of it. Um, I've listened to some stuff about it, but I haven't looked into it deeply. I just know that people get really excited when they talk about it.
2: Okay. I won't I won't ask for a number on that if, if you don't feel a particular way about it. Cause well, I I really we'll just don't.
3: do a five because I'm in the middle. I don't know. Okay. So right, I'm open,
2: open to it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> open for any sort of tartarium. you you might get some emails about and actually you said you get weird emails about like documents. Have you ever gotten like a a perspective of like the JFK assassination that came from like a different angle that no one's seen before.
3: I got, it was a book that I read uh, about William Branham and the message cult. Um, So there's a very interesting angle with William Branham and William Branham and the KKK. Um, And it's, it's quite fascinating, but I mean, did they do it? I just think it's interesting to consider, but, I don't know. There's a lot of people that think that. Uh, oh, what's his name? He's the dorkiest one that was in the CIA at the time. Uh,
2: not Sidney Gottlieb.
3: No, not Sidney Gottlieb. Why can't I think James Angleton? There's a lot of people that think that it was James Angleton that uh, you know made that happen. So,
2: who knows? I haven't. I've got like a reading list that we have to do. I've got like homework after this episode. I like that. Uh, so, I mean. That that's the end of the little Q and A. Uh, zero to ten. I want to I want to wind that back a little bit though, because you you gave it a ten for Parsons and Hubbard and Crowley could have potentially created a homunculus at some point, and even the paracelsus maybe. So like, what what would be your interpretation of that?
3: I mean, I feel like what we see now. I don't know what they would have had back then, but Parsons was so smart. He was so intelligent. And I mean, there were, I think there were multiple reasons why he was killed. I think that they tried to murder him because specifically he was trying to go to Israel and he was trying to take that technology to Israel. That's in his FBI file. Um, So I think that that's one reason. I also think that Frank Molina, who he worked with, did him pretty dirty. Um, and he ends up having a lot of ties to the Maxwell family specifically, which also gives it an interesting angle as far as like Epstein and the transhumanism stuff, you know, and Parsons was also out in the desert, and you know there's a Maxwell out in the desert now, and Epstein was out in the desert um so I think that Parsons would probably be the strongest one as far as not necessarily birthing you know naturally or just with magic um as far as Hubbard and Crowley, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that at a point they probably were milking that. I mean, they were pimps when they were younger. They were. I mean, I know that a lot of the pictures we see later on, they're old men and they're kind of like these gross old cult leaders, right? But like, young Hubbard was a total stud I'm like dang what's up dude and like younger <laughs> Crowley wasn't bad looking either so I'm I absolutely believe that they probably uh you know fed into it or maybe even believed in it to an extent you know um and Were I'm certain that, that on, women, on young
2: Manly Palmer Manly Palmer Hall was he a stud I don't know oh you know I with Manly Palmer Hall no so Manly Palmer Hall was like my introduction to all occult everything. He was the author of the Secret Teachings of All Ages, um, which kind of exposed a lot of these sort of like I guess ancient secret knowledge to the rest of the world, like all the profane you know bumpkins out here, uh, like myself. But he was also known to be a good looker, and and he ended up basically being like a finding sugar mama to sugar mama to fund him to fly around the world and read ancient arcane books and stuff so
3: (laughs) i mean somebody has to pay for it right so that makes sense to me i don't think that they're gonna put somebody uh you know particularly ugly in there they need someone that's good looking and kind of charismatic at least uh you know got some swag a a good liar not that great of a liar you know i think that all these people are intelligence operatives but i mean they've got to play the role they've got to sell it you know what i mean
2: Who do you think the modern day ones are? Are you ready to drop any names?
3: Oh boy. I'll bleep it
2: out if they're sponsors of the show. Don't worry. Hmm. Like Russell Brand. Would Russell Brand fall into this where it's like the good looking? Jared Leto. Jared Leto, okay.
3: For sure. He's like he lives at Lookout Mountain, like where they used to film all those weird government like propaganda movies. Like that's extremely bizarre to me. Um I don't know what the guy looks like, but I mean, there is a younger process leader out in Italy. I know that. Um, uh, I mean, the process is best friends in my opinion. They are thriving right now in Utah as an animal sanctuary. Um,
2: and to be clear. We're talking hmm. about like the process church, the same one that is linked to everything we've been talking about so far is the same one. That's basically oh, yeah. like a, like, PETA in Utah or
3: (laughs) yes. Yes. Is is
2: PETA tied directly to any of the stuff?
3: There's a, I'm still working on trying to go through all of their tax filings, but you know, I was doing all this research as far as trying to figure out, okay, like how do we go from, you know, we're worshiping all of these gods to we're worshiping animals. And I go through it in the videos and there's one guy specifically who works for the U.S. government now. He's really into cybernetics. His name is William Sims Bainbridge. He looks like Ebenezer Scrooge, and he's a total sus lord. But he explains, because he was in the process doing experiments, and then he's in Scientology doing experiments, and then he decides to join the children of God to do experiments. And I'm like, okay. But in explaining the process theology, he explains how animal advocacy is the natural conclusion. It's not a radical conversion of their theology because from the get-go, they stated in their publications, animal abuse is the greatest sin, the ultimate sin. You, you hurt humans first, not animals. And I've traced all of these people that are there now. They are founding members. They, I've listened to interviews where they have threatened to sue people. Um, Back in 2004, when it first came out that they were tied to the process because they had hit it successfully up to that point because they had changed their name 20 times. Um, But once that came out and they kind of had to, uh, you know, swallow it down and say, "Okay, yes, we were the process, but, you know, we don't believe in that anymore. And it's like, "Mm, well, you know, you guys have all of these really bizarre contracts with the counties specifically to take all of the dogs, no questions asked. And a lot of those dogs can't be rehomed, you know what I mean? Or they have to go to a certain type of home because they've been abused or maybe the dog is prone to violence, whatever. I can't tell you how many lawsuits are out there, man. Like kids that are horrifically mauled, um, dogs that are killed, elderly people that are mauled, like pictures that I can't even show on any of my streams because they're so graphic. Somehow they get away with... Uh, just paying it off and they get to keep functioning like normal uh they took all of Michael Vick's dogs which is really weird uh there are rumors that Mary Ann de Grimston the female co-founder uh that she was mauled by dogs on the property to death uh that is a persistent rumor that is put out by Timothy Wiley one of the most famous uh former Processians living in the UK um these people are the process.
2: Period. Michael Vick's dogs were taken by Satanists. I A-
3: am I them, oversimplifying I them, that or no? They, they literally that's what happened. They took Michael Vick's dogs, and it's like you know that those dogs cannot be rehomed. So what the hell did you do with them? I would highly encourage looking up their cemetery on their property because they're out in the middle of BFE in Utah, right? And they have thousands of acres out there. They act. Someone that lives out there actually told me that they own so much land that they pretty much control, like the water supply for Knob, because like so much of it runs through their property. Um, But look at the cemetery. There's. there's, It's just. I can't explain what it is, but there's just something very, very weird, as far as that goes. Um, And again, I mean. These founding members, literally, I trace them back to the UK, to the original church (laughs) where they're there through everything. They're going to Stuhl, where they're in Mexico, where they find Satan and they're beating themselves in a hut with ropes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I followed them through everything. And, you know, my big gripe specifically with certain famous ex-Scientologists right now who will not acknowledge me. Uh, because they have Best Friends Animal Society listed on their website, and I have proven that these people are the Process Church. So if you're an ex Scientologist, why are you supporting Processians? Because Processians are Scientologists mixed in with thelema. I call Scientology corporate thelema. That's what it is, in my opinion. Maybe but- it's like
2: the Nicorette patch. Like they're they're just trying to ease themselves out of Scientology.
3: <laughs> You're being very gracious and I respect that. I've lost patience with these people, but I've been doing this research like way too much, but I I got to get it done. Um I have proven factually with paperwork um that three, you know, three members of the church, you know, they know what happened to Sharon Tate. They know what happened and they closed down that chapter in Rome. Uh specifically cuz Sharon Tate was in Rome for about I don't know, think it was five or six months uh, before she came back here. And Robert de Grimston, the co-founder, he was in Rome per the IRS. The only reason that we know that is because of the lawsuit in the UK that they lost. Ed Sanders got that in discovery. So why, why are they in Rome together? And Roman Polanski's in Rome. The landlord of the Cielo House is also in Rome. He took Sharon out to Rome, that landlord but these people want to completely separate themselves. And then literally they have a meeting five days after Sharon Tate is murdered and they close down the room chapter They're They've how never much, been questioned.
2: How much of the, the movie Rosemary's baby had, like was that movie just entirely created just to serve the purposes of like process church and, or I'm just fascinated on that, on that movie because it's almost like that was them creating a homunculus.
3: There's, there's something to it. There's something to it specifically because like there's a scene in the movie where God, I can't remember what I know that one of the books is uh one of Kinsey's books specifically. Um, and I can't remember the other book. I'm trying to find like a really high quality clip that I can put onto my computer. Um, there's something there and I don't know what it is. I'm I'm trying to compile, you know, Anger himself because in the Ed Sanders files, you know, I've got an anonymous whatever procession Manson and anger the night that he premieres the invocation of my demon brother at the straight theater on the autumnal equinox they're all there together. That's not a coincidence because the process church lied about when they came here. They were here one, two and a half years at a bare minimum before before they ever said. Uh, And that has not been highly reported on. Uh, It has been reported on a little bit, but I've been able to substantiate it with everything else that I've been looking at where it's no, they were definitely here. So there was absolutely something going on. But there were three people that were in that room specifically five days after Sharon Tate was murdered where they decided to uh, cut that off. And all of a sudden, they're no longer in the United States anymore. Right. Uh, They literally spent years trying to establish an alibi and those people have never been questioned. And I have a really big problem with that because it wasn't just the Cielo House murders. Um, It was all the other murders that happened, too, because once I get done making this argument the best that I can, I've already made the argument for Sharon Tate. You know, Miss Leah Remini thinks that she's hot shit and that she doesn't need to answer me because she has claw nails and she can do like a you know East Coast accent, whatever. But as I move over that way, Son of Sam is next because Son of Sam, the ultimate evil, that's getting completely relooked at, like seriously. Because this whole thing has been, in my opinion, a massive cover up. It's been that witch hunt narrative, seriously. Because Ed Sanders was right, and so was Terry Moorey. Straight up, and so was Dave McGowan, dude. They were all right. They just didn't have the information. No one had it. No one had all that stuff. Why is the Vatican assisting the process church of the final judgment? Why is a splinter group of Scientology being assisted by the Vatican? Why do they have half a million members worldwide and they're in over a hundred cities in the United States (laughs) in 1974? But they're a splinter group, right? That makes perfect sense. No, it doesn't.
2: I mean, you could look at it like so. Interpol, right? If they're all just intelligence agencies, then this is like, this is the Vatican and the process church. Like, hey, let's share intelligence agency secrets for a little bit, uh, like like an Interpol.
3: It's straight up Gladio, in my opinion, because Sharon Tate's father was, uh, was involved in Operation Gladio, specifically in Italy, like right around the time of... Um, I think it was the hot autumn and then uh, the years of lead that was also going on like that same month that that happened to her. But even her sister, her younger sister said, oh, yeah, like our dad worked for NATO. He was setting up uh, missile stations. And they were in and out of Italy, like all throughout their teen years. And then she's back in Italy the same time that Operation Gladio is going on. Like I think that uh specifically Dave McGowan had like the strongest argument for a domestic Phoenix domestic Gladio program. Like I that's what I think that this is because I've I've made ties to the Vatican now specifically. Um and also sponsors with- of the
2: show, by the way.
3: come and get me um (laughs) but with gladio you know at the time when it all started right because those were stay behinds from you know dulles behind eisenhower's back but also john foster's son avery was a cardinal for the vatican and he was in rome too so it is what it is I think he was also
2: Jekyll Island Hunt Club member, if if I'm not mistaken.
3: I think so too. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. Yeah, so it's uh, I think think he was named after Avery um, Harriman. I think it's all Gladio. It's all uh, like domestic Gladio, domestic Phoenix. Uh, But we'll see.
2: We could keep going for hours, and uh, I want to be mindful of your time, and I want to leave some for the the next one, hopefully, because oh hell yeah, man, I'd love to come back on. One one question, you can answer this one as fairly quickly. Maybe this will be a preview that we can talk about next time. But there's a modern-day satanic panic going on right now. I'm not going to mention all the different buzzwords that go with it, but I'll say two, spirit cooking. Do you think that's all just LARPing and Anton LaVey style, like over-the-top, you know, trying to just get into Hollywood? Or do you think that there's something they're there to like the whole spirit
3: hell no nah, man marina abramovic is a witch straight up the fact that like she's been hired to help with the school problem in ukraine i don't think so because i would love to talk about some of the research that i've done with the lds and uh the stuff that they've been involved in for over 10 years before oh, i would coup.
2: love that i would oh yeah absolutely we can love that
3: we can get into that next time because I don't know. I think that it's absolutely a legitimate concern.
2: Okay, Bet. We're gonna I'm gonna mark that down. I'll bug you with that after this. So uh can you just let everyone know again? Nice meeting you, Dana, where everyone can nice find you, you all your social media, your YouTube, everything.
3: I am rotting jewels on YouTube, rotting jewels on Instagram, and Dana Duda on Twitter.
2: All right. Uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll do another one at some point in the future. Everyone, please leave comments. Let us know what kind of topics we should go into from all this. This was a lot. We covered a lot of ground, but yeah, we it, did. it feels very surface level area, but we covered a lot of it. So I'm excited to get more into some of these things. Long form research is the way to go. It is my absolute favorite genre in this, you know, this musical sort of world that we're living in. So thank you for the work that you do. And uh, thank you. Uh, you don't have to stick around for this, but I think you will enjoy this commercial that I've got coming up. So thanks again, Fair everybody. Time
1: Are you ready to uncover the hidden? The Paranoid American Homunculus Owner's Manual, Not for the Faint of Heart. Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today.